Welcome to The Sad Bastard. I'm Dave Tarnowski. I've been feeling down this week. But not super down. Just... Meh. Which is weird. It doesn't feel familiar. Like I don't think it's depression. I'm just not happy. Nor am I particularly sad. I just am. Maybe this is part of acceptance. It's the blah after the storm. Not that I haven't done my fair share of crying. I'll listen to a sad song, watch a TV show with sad, poignant moments, especially about relationships, and I'll just fall apart. But then it passes. I'm not spiraling like I was. I feel sad, and then it's gone. Maybe that's the difference between grief and regular sadness. Not that I'm not grieving anymore. That certainly comes in waves. There's only so much a person can take, I guess. At some point, you just have to move on. They say time heals, and they say it for a reason. I was stuck in a never-ending loop of misery for a while there. As anyone who has listened to this podcast knows. But I think sticking it out, letting the grief and the pain wash over me, and the regret eat at me, was the key to getting here, to being blah. The waves have calmed. I often think of these lyrics from Sun Forest, my favorite song off of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds last album, Ghost Teen. As the past pulls away and the future begins, I say goodbye to all of that. As the future rolls in, like a wave, like a wave, and the past with its savage undertow, let's go. The past is the past. There's nothing you can do to change it. But at a certain point, you can't live there anymore. It no longer exists. It no longer serves you to stay. It's hard to let go of something you wish you could have again, especially when you have such good memories of that time in your life that you wish you could relive. But you can't. Memories of good times are like stars in the sky that have actually vanished years ago. They seem so real the light still reaching us from billions and billions of miles away. But by this point, they're dead and gone. That's why they're so painful. So hard to reconcile. They're right here. You can see them. You can almost feel them. But they're illusions. Ghosts. To quote Johnny Thunders, something I don't think I've ever done in my life, you can't put your arms around a memory. And that includes bad memories. Things you wish you could have done differently. 
things you wish you hadn't done and things you wish you had. The negative memories that break the waves of good ones. But I will make new memories with people I know and people I haven't even met yet. Sometimes I go backwards, like I worry I'll never find love again. At least not like the love I had. Or if I even deserve it. If I'm meant for it. Or I just know I'll fuck it up eventually. It's maddening. Everything feels a little pointless right now. Especially because I'm alone. I'm just waiting. And waiting. I really wonder how many years of my life so far I've spent waiting for something. If I added up all that time. Waiting instead of doing. I feel hollow. And I fear nothing will ever fill me. Like this hole I've always been trying to fill. Whether it be with stuff, love, sex, drugs, the hole will never be filled. It will never be satisfied. Or maybe I've just been trying to fill the hole so much for so long with other things because I'm afraid if I don't, it'll suck me in. These podcasts, how I write them, They're no more than diaries, but diaries that I go back and revise and then blend all the days together so that when I get to the end of the week, they're all a mix of what happened in my life and my mind up until the moment I record them. I'll watch a TV show or talk to someone or listen to something and then click. A piece falls into place. Then I go and find where that piece fits in the script and then continue adding pieces around it. Sometimes that can radically change what the script originally was. Sometimes it just adds to what was there already. Thursday, by all accounts, should have been dreadful. But it had been one of those perfect mornings when what I'm writing suddenly reveals itself to me through a series of little events. Or rather, life revealing things to me. Because the script is just my life. I never really know what is going to come out of me when I start writing an episode. Sometimes I use prompts. Things people write to me through my Instagram stories. Other times I have no fucking clue what to write. I just know I need to. I have to get an episode done. Even things I love can be a chore at one point or another. And writing these scripts can be quite difficult. As a writer, I've always had a hard time getting words out every now and then. But before this podcast, I never had deadlines unless it was for school or something at work or whatever. Nothing that I had a passion for. So I would either write for long stretches every day or not at all. 
I was going to do an entire episode reading some of the last novel I was working on, which is actually part diary. A diary where dates skip around and flash deep into the past, then go back to the present, then back to maybe a month ago. The narrative revealing itself, tying important events from whenever they were to explain the present. But I can't find a version of it I still like. One of my problems was I'd edit and edit and edit and eventually change the whole thing and end up hating it and giving up. Quite often that's the case with these podcasts too, but I say fuck it. <laughs> the episode just comes out anyway. But the novels, or the half-baked novels I have, just sit around. So far. So I gave up on that thought, okay, well, I'll write about myself again. But when I'm feeling blank, the blank page is incredibly daunting. Thursdays are the worst. Well, second worst. Thursday is the Tuesday of the end of the week. It's a gloomy, rainy morning. I woke up with last night's migraine still with me, and I didn't want to do anything. My neck and my shoulders are stiff and painful. Called out sick from work, but I knew I had to write. And I wanted to write. So I picked up where I had left off yesterday, about how I was feeling hollow. How maybe I'll never feel full. And then I get a notification from CoStar, the all-knowing astrology app their little daily pieces of advice, nuggets of wisdom, whatever you want to call them. And it said, if you don't know the answer, you might not know the question. Fucking co-star. There's rarely a day when I don't connect with what it has to say. So of course, what do I do next? Well, I consult my trusty deck of tarot cards. I do daily one-card pulls. I shuffle the deck while asking myself different things. Then I put my hands on the desk, close my eyes, connect with the cards. Then I cut the deck and spread it out across the kitchen counter and pick one from wherever the stream of cards splits. Today I got the Six of Swords. The sword suit is all about the mind. And often the cards are related to being stuck, to holding yourself back, or feeling trapped, closed off. The swords always come when my mind is troubled, and I've been getting swords all week. I'm getting better and better at learning what the cards mean, or rather how to interpret them from the basic meanings and apply them to my life, or if I'm reading for somebody else, theirs. You don't get answers from the cards, they're just guides. And the card that I pulled this morning, the Six of Swords, is the most depressing of all the swords as far as I'm concerned. It shows three figures in a boat, their backs turned, a man standing at the rear, rowing, 
and sitting towards the front are a shrouded figure and a child pressed tight next to them. In front of them in the boat stand six swords, symbolizing heaviness of thought as they are weighing down the boat, impeding forward momentum. The card is filled with mourning, but it also depicts moving on, however wearily. The sky above is light gray, which also bleeds into the land in the distant foreground. The weather there being steered towards that land or leaving is unclear, as the boat seems to be moving parallel to it. The water in the boat's wake is turbulent, but the sea ahead is tranquil, signifying better days ahead. Stillness of the mind. Calm. The Six of Swords is about transition, leaving behind what was familiar and moving towards the unknown. It's a heavy card, a sad card, but also hopeful in its own way. It makes me think about my upcoming move, my looming divorce, but also it's all about waiting. Getting somewhere by rowboat being weighed down by three people and six heavy-as-fuck swords is not going to be a quick journey. So of course it's the fucking perfect card for me right now. It's like that feeling when you get sick and all you want to do is feel better. And then you get better but your life is still shitty and you can't even really call it better. It's just regular. It's all relative. And right now I am relatively blah. My mood matches the rainy, sunless day I'm living through at the moment. It matches the gray sky that fills the top of the Six of Swords card. Gray is how I feel. Not white, not black, but that shade right in the fucking middle. And then a piece fell into place. Going back to what CoStar said, if you don't know the answer, you might not know the question. I was reminded of that famous passage from Douglas Adams's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. If you know the books, you know what I'm talking about, and you're awesome. For anyone who doesn't, first off, buy the books. Secondly, I'll share the passage with you right now. Deep Thought, a supercomputer that had been created to find the ultimate answer to life, the universe, and everything, spent seven and a half million years on the problem, and was finally ready. Two men, Lunqual and Fook, were in the room with Deep Thought, waiting to witness this momentous event. There was a moment's expectant pause while Panel slowly came to life on the front of the console. Lights flashed on and off experimentally and settled down into a business-like pattern. A soft, low hum came from the communication channel. Good morning, said Deep Thought at last. Er, good morning, oh Deep Thought, said Loon Paul nervously. Do you have, um, that is, an answer for you? interrupted Deep Thought majestically. Yes, I have. 
The two men shivered with expectancy. Their waiting had not been in vain. There really is one, breathed Fook. There really is one, confirmed Deep Thought. To everything? To the great question of life, the universe, and everything? Yes. Both of the men had been trained for this moment. Their lives had been a preparation for it. They had been selected at birth as those who would witness the answer. But even so, they found themselves gasping and squirming like excited children. Are you ready to give it to us? urged Lunqual. I am. Now? Now, said Deep Thought. They both licked their dry lips. Though I don't think, added Deep Thought, that you're going to like it. Doesn't matter, said Fook. We must know it now. Now, inquired Deep Thought. Yes, now. All right, said the computer, and settled into silence again. The two men fidgeted. The tension was unbearable. You're really not going to like it, observed Deep Thought. Tell us! All right, said Deep Thought. The answer to the great question. Yes. Of life, the universe, and everything, said Deep Thought. Yes. Is, said Deep Thought, and paused. Yes, is, yes, 42, said Deep Thought, with infinite majesty and calm. 42, yelled Bloomqual, is that all you've got to show for seven and a half million years' work? I checked it very thoughtfully, said the computer. And that quite definitely is the answer. I think the problem, to be quite honest with you, is that you've never actually known what the question is. And with that, my friends, I think it's time to get to other people's questions. For those who don't know, I run several Instagram accounts where I do Q&A several times a week. I ask people what's on their minds, and they tell me all sorts of things. Most I respond to right then and there, but some I save for this podcast. Alec asked, Any tips on impulse control? Alec, I always say, If you want to do something you know will probably be bad, masturbate first. If you still want to do it afterwards, it might not be so bad. Of course, that's just a joke. Well, mostly. I think masturbation is the great neutralizer. If you're horny, masturbate. If you're grumpy, masturbate. If you're bored, masturbate. Of course, if the impulse you're trying to control is incessant masturbation, then this is terrible advice. I've always had a problem with impulse control. I've been a substance abuser, a sex and love addict, an overspender, an overeater, 
basically anything to fill that hole before it swallows me, like I mentioned. But like any black hole, it's never satisfied. It always needs more and will take as much as I give it. The answer I've found is to stop feeding it as much. Put it on a fucking diet. Give it something now and then, but get it used to living on less, needing less. I've heard some people refer to that as moderation, but I've never quite understood that word. Basically, ever since I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and started understanding my illness, it's been super helpful knowing that recklessness is a major symptom. And the more I work on treating it, the easier it gets to avoid the things I know I shouldn't do. That voice in my head telling me to make bad decisions is toned down. Right now it's loud, and it gets even worse the lower I get. By this point it's Saturday, and I'm feeling even lower than I had the past week. So the voice is screaming. But so is the other one. Anxiety. I'm so nervous at the moment because I'll be talking to my ex on the phone for the first time in nine months today. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be calm. (laughs) Who the fuck am I kidding? I'm totally going to spiral. Just hopefully not on the call. I can hardly even concentrate on anything right now. But I will move forward with something I wrote yesterday before I found myself frozen with fear. Anya wrote, I can't find the motivation to care about anything. I feel like I'm just doing the bare minimum. I've been feeling like that for a long time now. I think part of that is a defense mechanism. I haven't wanted to get attached to this town any further. I'm basically just waiting. But I know that a lot of us are feeling that particularly because of COVID. And I hope to God we're almost through this. A coworker of mine just got it. She's been terribly sick all week. She said this thing is kicking my ass. Now I'm the first to admit that I'm an absolute baby when I get even the slightest bit sick. So I could only imagine what COVID would be like. But going back to motivation, or the lack of it, that could very easily come from depression. And I think I will go ahead, since it's now Saturday, and say that this week has been a solid 5 out of 10 on the sad bastard scale. I've had zero motivation whatsoever. I've just been waking up and living. Just existing my self-imposed purgatory. Well, also COVID-imposed. And I put off everything as much as possible. I hate cleaning. absolutely loathe it. And no one is coming over anytime soon anyway, if ever. So, what's the fucking point? I've never once had anyone come to this place since I moved in. Three months into the pandemic. Who am I cleaning for? Me? (laughs) I'll keep clean back in New York. 
New York is the only thing keeping me sane right now. The big thing I have to look forward to. I'll be there in just over three months. So I have even less motivation to get into anything here. I don't know any of my neighbors, which is probably for the best considering all I do most of the time is yell at something going on outside and or cry. That said, a construction crew has been working on the roof nonstop for three months now. And I live right across the street from a park where they have a drum circle playing nonstop every other day. So you'd probably cry and yell too. But every day I get up, and I just do what I have to do, and not much more. And the time passes. And that's okay right now. Sometimes you just need to go with it. Don't fight. We don't always have to be doing. That's a major source of stress for me. I can slack off. But there's another part of my brain that's always on. Worrying away with the worst case scenarios and woe is me. I'm always jumping back into work every five minutes and then slipping away from it a minute later. Have you ever been sitting there on your phone flipping through the same apps over and over again and never once settling down for more than a second until you flip to the next one and then realize, Jesus Christ, what the fuck is wrong with me? Yeah, me neither. Next up is Alex who wrote, trying to figure out how to create art while depressed. I hate those moments, Alex. When I'm depressed, none of the things I normally love are of any interest to me. I feel weak, like I can't even muster up the strength to do anything. But, I must. And the only way to do it is to suffer through it. There is a part of you that desperately wants to keep creating. It's being dragged down by self-doubt. But we need to say fuck that shit and just do it. We create for ourselves first and foremost. Depression tells us to not listen to that part of us. It lives on self-doubt and all it wants to do is hide. Art reveals the artist, exposes the work to scrutiny. And if you open yourself up, if you allow yourself to be vulnerable, you can easily get hurt. Depression wants to stop you before you have the chance. It says, who cares? Nothing will come of this anyway. You need to not listen to that. You need to remind yourself of why you love expressing yourself. Why you need to create. You only do that by creating. It doesn't matter if what you create is crap. Work through the shit. Allow yourself to suck, as my professor said. Face the fear. Speaking of which, my wife and I spoke, and it was really nice to catch up. It was far easier and lovelier than I had feared. Really nice to hear her voice. I'm a little sad right now. And I'm sure I'll have a bit of a cry at some point. I'm actually surprised I haven't yet. Okay, never mind. It hit me. But just for a little moment. I feel pretty good, actually. 
One thing I thought of as we spoke was this breakup hasn't been just one chapter. It's a book unto itself. Just as our relationship, or our former relationship, had been. And this phone call was another little chapter. It was one step closer to figuring out the new relationship. And just like that, I feel better than I had when I first started writing this a few days ago. I hadn't realized that all along I had just been dreading the talk, hearing her voice, not knowing what we were going to say or how it was going to go, not knowing how I was going to feel afterwards, how much it was going to set me back. I have a tendency to expect things to always be terrible, so the anxiety I feel as the thing approaches can be insane. But the anxiety itself is almost always worse than how things actually are. Just try telling me that when I'm going through it. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you all for listening. As always, please subscribe to this podcast if you don't already. Rate, review, and share it with everyone you know who could benefit from it. And also follow my Instagram accounts, Nick Cave and the Bad Memes, Sad Peaks, Don Drooper, Mimi Bridgers, and the Sad Bastard Pod. On Nick Cave and the Bad Memes and Sad Peaks, I do Q&As almost every day where you can tell me what's on your mind and I might reply to it on a future episode. And follow me on the Stereo app where I do a live podcast every Friday. It's Stereo.com backslash The Sad Bastard. I'll be back next week. Until then, remember, quite often the fear is far worse than the thing itself. Life is fucking hard. Try not to make it any harder than it needs to be. Taking me down, my friend Hush me off to my end Will I bid you adieu Will I be seeing you soon What they say around here is true Then 